Welcome to True Crime Daily. Even though the stories that you'll hear are short, they are very much intended for an adult audience. The stories you'll hear cover some very serious subject matter, and they contain content that will be alarming for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You hear a lot of stories about the unimaginable happening, how people find themselves in a situation that leads to the ultimate end. And I can almost guarantee that you'll always think, that could never happen to me. Travis Alexander unfortunately found himself in that situation after a chance meeting at a work conference in Las Vegas for the multi-level marketing company that he worked for, Prepaid Legal Services. Travis was a 29-year-old devout Mormon who worked as a motivational speaker and salesman. Jody Arias was an aspiring photographer, supplementing her income with Prepaid Legal Services. The pair instantly clicked at the convention in Las Vegas in 2006. Travis could never have imagined that the 26-year-old photographer, who he was instantly smitten with, would bring his life to a violent and an abrupt end. Despite the fact that the two were from different states, Travis lived in Arizona and Jody lived in California. When the conference ended, everyone went back to their lives. The two were committed to making a long-distance relationship work, and they would often meet at a friend's house roughly halfway between their two homes. Their relationship quickly turned from casual to serious, and Travis shared his feelings in an email to a friend just weeks after they met. He said, I went from being intrigued by her, to interested in her, to caring about her deeply, to realizing how lucky I would be to have her as a part of my life forever. She is amazing. It's not hard to see that whoever scores Jody, whether it be me or someone else, is gonna win the wife lotto. The amazing woman Travis saw had been troubled since a young age. Her parents struggled to come to terms with her attitude as a teenager, and her father would often resort to physical forms of punishment. She moved out at 17 with her then-boyfriend, but was forced to leave him when he began turning violent. Travis too suffered as a child, with both his parents being drug addicts. Him and his brother would often go days without food, and would be forced to eat whatever they could find in the house. It was Travis's grandmother who would eventually save the brothers, and took them in when Travis was just 10 years old. It was under his grandmother's roof that Travis would be introduced to the world of Mormonism. As a teenager, he took his faith very seriously, and as an adult, even more so. He was committed to the faith, being known to wear the Choose the Right ring as a symbol of his abstinence and faith. Jody and Travis more than just clicked. Many friends have said that the two had a potent chemistry that led Travis astray from his faith. The relationship began and continued with the two having premarital sex. And Travis was torn between the intense relationship that he was in with the woman he'd fallen for, while at the same time he was going against one of the most important principles of the Mormon faith. He was riddled with guilt, and the relationship began to weigh on him. Not only had the relationship began taking its toll, Arius had in a very short time become extremely obsessive of Travis. Friends reported that she started to exhibit unusually possessive behavior, including nibbling on Travis's ear in the middle of a Mormon wedding, straddling him in the spa amongst friends, and often showing up uninvited to events. The cracks were obvious to everyone and finally for Travis as well. He began to emotionally distance himself from her, even though the two still maintained a very sexual relationship. Her behavior became even more erratic. On multiple occasions, she would travel from California to Travis's home in Arizona. And if he was not home, she would sneak in through the doggy door and surprise him. She even showed up one day wearing a t-shirt that said, Travis Alexander's, 
On one of her unannounced visits, she took the opportunity to look through Travis's MySpace account where she found sexually explicit messages from a married Mormon woman. Messages which she later used to blackmail Travis into having more of a committed relationship with her. Travis unfortunately obliged and the couple began spending more and more time together, taking regular road trips to places that they found in a book titled A Thousand Places to Visit Before You Die. Arias quickly moved from being a friend's annoying girlfriend to a genuine worry for his friends. One of Travis's closest friends, Skye, sat him down one day to voice her concerns. She said, They were all worried that one day they were going to find his body in a freezer, chopped up in little pieces. After five months, Travis finally pulled the pin, convincing Arias that he was not ready for a girlfriend. In reality, he was not ready for a girlfriend like her. A couple of months after the breakup, he began dating a Mormon woman, Lisa. And while things were looking good on the surface with Travis and Lisa, he still maintained somewhat of a secret relationship, mainly over the phone, with Arias. If things at this point didn't already feel off, Jody Arias, as you can imagine, did not take the breakup well. She decided to move to Arizona to be closer to Travis. She took a job as a waitress and would often sneak into Travis's house through the doggy door. More than once, Travis came home to find her sleeping in his bed. Finding her in his bed often led to him throwing her out, but it also sometimes led to the two having sex. Confused, Travis took her on a road trip hoping to figure out his feelings. When they returned, he broke up with her again and resumed dating Lisa. When things with Lisa finally ended, Travis began dating Mimi. By now, Arias had given up on trying to manipulate Travis into a relationship and she moved back home to California. She began dating a number of men involved in the multi-level marketing company hoping the news would get back to Travis. It did, and it would often result in the two having phone sex. As an outlet for his confusion, and while he struggled with his feelings, Travis began blogging. His blog, Travis Alexander's Being Better Blog, was filled with inspirational stories. His last blog, before his death, discussed how he'd like to find a gold digger wife, but not in the normal sense. He meant he wanted to find a woman to dig for the gold in his heart. By now, Jody Arias had resumed living in California. She was seeing a new man, who was also a member of the prepaid legal services. Almost a year since they'd met in Las Vegas, still battling with confused feelings, both in somewhat of a relationship with other people, Travis asked Jody Arias to join him on a work trip to Cancun, Mexico. But days before that trip, he decided not to take her and instead asked Mimi to join him. In early June of 2008, Travis did not show up in Cancun. The same friend that warned him about Jody Arias and worried that they might find him in a freeze one day, Skye and her husband Chris were waiting in Cancun for him. When he didn't show, and then when he was not present for an important phone meeting, they began to seriously worry. By June 9th, 2008, it had been five days since his friends had not heard from him. Mimi, who hadn't left for the trip yet, and Sky and Chris headed to Travis's home. A friend gave them the garage code to get into the house, where they found one of his roommates, Zach. They asked Zach, have you seen or heard from Travis? He said, no, he's in Mexico. And Mimi said, he's not in Mexico. I'm supposed to go to Mexico with him tomorrow. Zach opened the door to Travis's room and entered, finding a puddle of blood on the carpet. He continued down the hallway to the bathroom where he discovered Travis's body crumpled up in the shower. In the days leading up to the Cancun trip, Jody Arias showed up at Travis's house. 
The two spent the afternoon having sex, and Travis's final moments were caught on his digital camera. She'd stabbed Travis 30 times in the shower. She then slit his throat ear to ear and finally shot him in the head with a gun she'd stolen from her grandfather. Between the accounts of friends about Jody Arias' behaviour, the evidence police had recovered from the digital camera that Jody had tried to destroy in Travis's washing machine and a bloody handprint she'd left in the bathroom. She was arrested for the murder of Travis. In police custody, she began to exhibit less than normal behaviour, doing handstands, giggling, and singing Christmas carols. When she was finally charged with the murder, she asked if she could freshen up for her mugshot, in which she decided it was best to smile. When the trial finally began, four years had passed since Travis's murder. Jodie Arias' story changed multiple times over the years. During the trial, she claimed the murder was self-defense. She claimed that Travis was abusive and that he dabbled in child porn. She had fake letters sent to her lawyers, claiming to be from Travis, admitting he was a pedophile. Police discovered she'd actually been sending secret messages to her male fans, and they were the ones who'd sent the letters for her. A hung jury prevented her from getting the death penalty. After appeals and mistrials, she was finally sentenced to life in prison without parole. She's apparently not very popular in prison because she flirts with the guards. <laughs>